Welcome to the LifeCast. We hope that you find this ministry of New Life Assembly of God as an encouragement to you. You will hear messages and lessons in God's Word by our staff and special guests. Enjoy the podcast. Now I'm going to speak on something I've spoken in Spanish. I've never preached in English. Are you ready for this? I didn't know how to interpret the title exactly, but it's kind of like this. What in hell do we need on earth? Now, for those of you that are more church people, it's five things in hell we need on earth. But that literally is the title in Spanish. Is it okay? And I'm going to talk to you about five things in hell we need on earth. Now, here, here's, the, here's Scripture. Luke 16, 19 through 23. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores, and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked the sores. The time came when the beggar dried, and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. I want you to put your hands out like this and repeat this prayer with me. Oh, Father, I receive your word today. Open my ears, open my heart, help me hear your voice, transform me, let me determine to be a blessing to everyone around me till the day I come to meet you, for your honor and glory, amen. Turn to the person next to you and say, please invite me to dinner. There you may be seated. Five things in hell we need on earth. You've never heard a message like this, because I've never preached it in English. Now, Jesus starts with five stories in Luke chapter 15. These five stories, Jesus was a storyteller. And he starts out talking about the lost sheep. Then he speaks about the lost coin. Then he speaks about a lost son, which we know in English as the prodigal son, but in Spanish it's called the lost son. Then in chapter 16, he has two stories that start with the same words. There was a rich man. Two stories. The first one is the story of a man who lost the confidence of his master. But it ends positively because the master congratulates him for being shrewd. But the fifth story ends abruptly and dark. It is an abrupt, ominous ending. And it also is one of the most fascinating stories in the New Testament that Jesus ever told. And he he gave this message to conclude these five stories that the Pharisees were listening to. They were legalists. The Pharisees of the day were extremely strict legalists. And they were very closed. And so he gave these stories, and he said, there was a rich man. Now, it is very possible that the people, because they came from an oral tradition, were accustomed to identifying stories with reality around them. So it is possible that when he said there was a rich man, they all knew who he was talking about. There are certain names of people I can say to you, and immediately it will evoke a reaction. Elon Musk. 
Taylor Swift, Ticketmaster. Uh, and then there's Toby Mac, Bill Gates, on and on. And it says that there was a rich man. They may have identified him. And he lived in luxury. And the first thing Jesus talked about was he dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. Now, there are certain things that we know about people who love fine clothes. We went to Paris one time. I don't know how we did it. We had miles, and we went to Paris. And we went to see Louis Vuitton bags. And I thought, well, why don't we buy something at Louis Vuitton just for fun? So I found a real small little coin purse I wanted to get from Mona. There are no prices. So I asked the price. Coin purse, $600. I went to Target. Forget Louis Vuitton. This man loved fine clothes. Prada. Michael Coors. Celine. Armani. Gucci. Gucci goo. And he only bought it Saks Fifth Avenue. He only bought it Nordstrom's. Harrods of London. This guy drove the best automobiles. He had a female donkey named Mercedes. <laughs> Cadillac. Why, there was a guy that attended the church we attend when we were there, there or there every six, eight weeks in our church in Fort Lauderdale, but he came tooling in a Rolls Royce. Rolls-Royce, Lamborghini. Yes, once in a while on the streets of Fort Lauderdale, I see a Lamborghini go tooling by $175,000. Oil change, $5,000. And it says that he had banquets every day. Imagine shrimp ceviche, beef wellington, leg of lamb, steamed mussels and white sauce, Idaho, baked potato cut down the middle with butter dripping on through it, beautiful cheese and bacon bits. Oh, man, southern fried chicken, prime ribbon for dessert, strawberry cheesecake and whipped cream, fudge brownies, orange sherbet, haagen white chocolate, raspberry truffle ice cream, and a great big bottle of Coke with dew around it. Oh, how many are hungry right now, all right? He was wealthy. He had everything. To this guy, his life was devoid of any struggles. His life was devoid of the realities of other people. But verse 20 says that at his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus who was covered in sores. Because despite the fact that he lived isolated from reality, it's all around us. And Lazarus was sick, he was abandoned, he was poor, he was hungry and worthless. And his only companions were street dogs that licked his sores. And every day, that rich man drove out with his sports car. Some of his servants opened the gate, and he tooled off, and there's laying this beggar, this loser, this castaway, this throw-off, this worthless, homeless guy who was always begging for something to eat. But you know, 
there is something in life that's called the great equalizer. There is coming a moment that every rich and every poor, every boy and every girl, every man and every woman of every class, every educational level, every social strata will be equalized, and it's called death. And at death, we all become equal, except at that moment, look what happened to Lazarus. Now, it says the time came when the beggar died. Here comes the angels. It's kind of like the Superman movie. Here comes the angels out of heaven. See Lazarus down there. You feel the tension burning, don't you? And they came down and it says that they carried him away. Woof! And they grabbed Lazarus. And they took an intergalactic flight. And they brought him right into heaven. And he hugged Abraham, the father in heaven, and he gave him a great big hug. Oh, you know what, friends? There is coming a day. The great equalizer may be coming, but get ready for chapter 2. How many say amen to that? Come on, give the Lord a hand today. You know that song? I can only imagine what it will be like that's surrounded by your glory. What will my heart feel? Will I dance with the Jesus? Or in all of you be still? That's what's waiting for you. Aren't you excited about that? You are going to heaven. Get excited about the fact you are going to hear the choir sing, Hallelujah! You're going to hear it. 1 Corinthians 15, 55. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? There is coming a day. There is coming a place. You will walk on streets of gold. Jewelry will be worthless in heaven because the streets are gold. And then there's the other one. <laughs> this is the funny part. The rich man also died and was buried. That's it. The rich man also died and was buried. End of story. Then comes five things in hell we need on earth. Because the scripture picks up the story. It doesn't leave you hanging. Verse 23 says, can you project that? says, in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. Here's the first thing we need on earth. We need a vision of heaven. We need a renewed vision of heaven. This is not the end. This isn't the whole thing. We need a renewed vision of heaven. You're going to go to a place where you will never die. There'll never be any sickness. There'll never be any sadness. You're going to be busy. It's going to be beautiful. You're going to eat richer than the richest man that ever lived on planet Earth. You're going to be so busy you won't know what to do. You'll be going from world to world serving God. You are going to a wonderful place. We need a vision of heaven. How many say man to that? But the rich man was too busy. To have a vision of heaven. In life, 
He never wanted to think about death. That never came into his mind. The fear of death blocks planning for eternity. It's the fear of the unknown. One night, a few years ago, my wife woke me up. She said, Mike, I'm totally out. Mike, what? What? She said, listen, listen, what? She said, there's somebody out in the garage. You know how your, your hair stands up on your whole body? And I kind of levitated in the, in the bed. Kind of lifted. And I listened, and sure enough, something was out in the garage. Oh, no. What do we do? She said, get up and go see. I said, honey, I am not getting up and going out to the garage to face a burglar in my underwear. Well, she knows that would scare any burglar out of his mind you know, to see me in my underwear out there in the garage. We sat there, we prayed, and then it kept making noise, and after a while, kind of, well, maybe it's all right. And we fell back asleep. Next morning, I went out to the garage to check it out. One of the downspouts had come loose, and the wind was beating it up against the garage door. And I realized I did the right thing. I didn't want the neighbors to see me out there confronting an eave spout. You see, we did not know what the danger was. It was no danger at all. It was the fear of the unknown. And many people put off their evaluation of what's going to happen at the time they die because of fear of the unknown. But we are not in the dark about what's going to happen the day that we go from this earth. How many say amen to that? John 14, 1 through 3, do not let your hearts be troubled. Say that with me. Do not let your heart be troubled. Look at the person next to you. Do not. You believe in God, believe also in me and my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be there. You know the way to the place where I am going. You see, you know the way, and the way is through Jesus. How many say amen to that? Raise your hand and say that the way there is through Jesus. Oh, praise the Lord. That rich man didn't have a vision of heaven because he was afraid of the unknown and he was too focused on what he had here on earth. But there is coming a great equalizer. Number two. It says in verse 24. Pull that up. Verse 24. Luke 16, 24. And he called out, Father, have mercy on me. And send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I'm in anguish in this flame. The second thing is we need to cry out to heaven. We need prayer. We need fervent, effective, desperate, honest, transparent, consistent prayer. I heard the story of a Grandpa went to visit his grandkids. I, I get to go see my grandkids this evening. And I, they always want me to come into the room and tell them stories. Since they were just little, tell me a story. I heard the story of a grandpa. He walked into his little six-year-old granddaughter's room, and she was down on her knees by her bed. 
he was so touched by her praying. And he went over and got down by her, and she's going, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H. <laughs> let her finish. And then she started again. A, B, C, D. <laughs> she got all done. He said, sweetie, um, was that your prayer? Yes, Grandpa. He said, well, you're just saying the alphabet. Why didn't why did you pray? She said, oh, Grandpa, I have so many things to pray about. I'll just say the letters and God can fill in the words. <laughs> you see, there's a certain truth of that, Romans 8, 26. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, Romans 8, 26. For we do not know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. When we get filled with the Holy Ghost, He fills our mouth with words. You may only know the letters, but God can fill your mouth with the words. He knows what you need. He knows what to pray for. He knows where we're going. And it says, pray, pray today, 2 Corinthians 6, 2. For he says, in the time of my favor, I've heard you. In the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. When do we pray? Today. When do we pray? This afternoon. When do we pray with our kids tonight? When do we pray when we're in trouble? When do we pray when things are going good? When do we pray? Right now. Because God hears prayer. Come on, give God a hand today. The rich man had the right idea. Philippians 4, 6, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. That's the good news. Now the very bad news. The rich man prayed a day late and a dollar short. You see, the truth of the matter is, he found out a very important lesson. Can you project up that next, the next part of the verse there? He said, child, remember that in your lifetime received your good things, and Lazarus in like manner bad things, but now he is comforted here, and you are in anguish. Go on to the next one. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able and none may cross from there to us. I will share a principle with you. You can light 10,000 candles. You can say 10,000 prayers. You can do all kinds of sacrifices. And you can fast. And you can buy all kinds of little books that will tell you how to pray for the dead. But the truth of the matter is, there is coming a day that when they cross that line, that's it. And it's just scriptural. There are a lot of people that think, oh, no, you have a second chance. Friends, that's not what the scripture tells us. And I'll just be honest with you. Today is the day to pray. Now is the time. Now is the day of salvation. This is our moment. Every single person here today, you are so blessed to know that God hears your prayer and that he can answer your prayer. Isn't it great to have that? And the bad news. There are a lot of people praying in hell today. <laughs> Do you know some of the greatest prayer means in the universe are taking place in hell today? A lot of people are praying, Pastor Randy. How much good is it doing? When we pray, you know how much good it does? It moves Cuba. 
It moves Panama. It moves Argentina. It moves Africa and Europe. When we pray, it makes a difference. Say amen. Now, number three, verse 27. And he said, then I beg you. Okay, cut that off. I beg you. Please. The Romans in the Roman times spent fortunes on marble statues, on marble stairwells, beautiful figurines that their artisans would carve from the quarries of Italy and bring them into their studios where they would carve these fantastic masterpieces. The wealthy of Rome spent fortunes on their sculptures and on their figurines and on their marble stairwells and on their marble floors. The wealthy of Rome were a, were a class of wealth the world had never seen before. But there was a little problem. Once in a while, a Roman a wealthy person who spent, let's say, a million dollars on his little garden statue that water would pour through, would go out in the garden and the arm was laying on the ground. Boom. And maybe a nose fell off. Boom. Fingers would boom, drop in the garden or they'd find them laying on the floor in their mansion. And it became a scandal because the artisans were putting wax that was the exact same color as the marble and smoothing it over and then selling them as perfect pieces, making fortunes, and then just a few years later, the wax would become brittle with time and with the elements, and the arm would fall off, a leg would break, a, a, a finger would break off. And they demanded of the Roman Senate that there would be a rule, a law, and the Roman Senate passed a law. From that date forward, every artisan of Rome had to guarantee the structural integrity of his statue or of his, of his figurine. He had to stamp on the bottom of it his signature and the word sin sera, from which comes our word sincere. Are you sincere today? Are you covering some of the cracks with wax? You know, it's possible to hide things. We can hide those cracks. We can hide those imperfections. We can cover them up for so long, but at some point, something's going to break. And this morning, I call out to you that we will be people of sincerity. How many say man to that? You know, the blood of Jesus covers all of the cracks. All of the imperfections. The blood of Jesus covers all of the things that otherwise would be seen. It covers all of the fault lines. I ask you today that when you pray, you would pray with sincerity. Like the rich man said, <clears throat> put it up there again. Then I beg you that we would call out to God in total sincerity. Because when we do, he answers. Not number four. Number four. I find this one fascinating. He said, I beg you to send Lazarus to my father's house. All of a sudden, the rich man had a missionary vision. 
Let's send somebody. Isaiah 6, 8 says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And Isaiah said, Send somebody else. What's Scripture say? Send me. It didn't say send somebody else. All of a sudden, the rich man had a missionary vision. <laughs> Let's send somebody. Let's send Lazarus. You know, this is very interesting. I, I, I'm looking for some young guy. Let me, let's see if I find some teenage guy. You got a teenage guy here? Raise your hand. Some teenage guy. You got a teenage guy? Okay, come up over here. Come here. Right. I, I need your help here today. I'm gonna, do you love Jesus today? You do. Do you love this church? You love Pastor Andy? Yep. Would you be willing to do just about anything I ask you? Yeah. Good. Okay. <laughs> okay, I want you to do me a favor. Okay? Okay. Okay. After the service, I want you to go to your ATM, pull out $50,000, bring it to Pastor Randy for missions. Can you do that for us today? Kind of don't have that much. <laughs> Can't do it, huh? Okay, I'll let you off. Lay off the hook. Now, there's a guy in this church that has one honking great truck. He has got a beautiful truck. Caleb, where are you? Where's Caleb? Oh, there you are, Caleb. Come up here, Caleb. You got your keys on you, Caleb? No, you don't. Is the truck here? No. Ah, where's the truck? Sitting pretty in the shop. Now, do you have the title to your truck? Yep. Yep. Do you know where it is? Yep. Okay. So if you put your signature on it, uh, you can sell the truck. Yep. Okay, here's what we're going to (laughs) do. Caleb's going to give a truck away this morning. That's right. I'm asking yeah, yeah, thank you. Yeah. Who, who needs a truck? Raise your hand right now. Who would, would you like a truck? Okay, look at all the people that need a truck. Yeah, isn't that great? Yep. Okay, so, <laughs> so Caleb, I want to ask you to give your truck away today. What do you think of that? Which one? <laughs> Not the one in the junkyard. Okay, all right. Give Caleb a great big hand. All right, thank you, Caleb. All right. You see, here's the principle. I have no right to ask Caleb to give what only I can give. Only I can give my truck away. Only, what's your name? Bryce. Only I can give money to missions that God speaks to me about. God speaks me to give. I don't come to Bryce and ask him to give it. How many times have I heard this? Oh, Pastor Randy, I watch people when they give in the offering. There are so many people, they give them money. This church doesn't need my money. I'm not giving. Well, I've heard that recently. I'm not giving. Let somebody else do that. And you know what? We cannot ask someone else to do what we need to do ourselves. But many people enjoy the benefits in the kingdom. They enjoy their beautiful church, the ministries, but they don't give. They want somebody else to do it. And the rich men found out in a hurry, that doesn't work. But what a privilege it is to give today. I'm going to say amen to that. What a privilege it is to give to these kids in Cuba. What a privilege it is to give to missions. What a privilege it is to give your tithe. This rich man reached for his checkbook and it burned up. He didn't have it anymore. And all of a sudden, all of his wealth and all of his cars and all of his stuff and all of his banquets and all of his fancy clothes, it was burnt up. It was gone. And then he got a missionary vision a day late and a 
dollar short. Number five. Uh, I, uh, I want to quit, but I'm not going to. I got one more thing to say. Yeah, one more thing. Kick that up there where, we're, where we left off. For I have five brothers. How interesting. You get where this is going? I have five brothers so, they, so that Lazarus may warn them. At least they also come into this place of torment. <laughs> All of a sudden, the rich man loved his family. Isn't that something? All of a sudden. When you stripped away all the stuff, the first thing that came to mind is, I've got five brothers. I don't want them here. I don't want to ever see them again. You know, see this thing? This can be a blessing. Because you're only a few Numbers away from calling somebody in your family that needs a call from you. You're only a few numbers away from calling somebody that really desperately hears. What gives you hope? I preached this message in Spanish about five years ago in Buenos Aires, Argentina, and the pastor's wife was so moved. Church of a thousand. Was it Edgardo Munoz's church? His wife was so moved that after service, she went to visit her dad, 78 years old, never been a believer, never wanted to believe anything about it, wanted to stay away. Here she's a pastor's wife. And in that afternoon, she led her dad to Jesus at 78. On Tuesday, I went to his funeral. We had no idea that in just two days, it would click away. Three days ago, one of my good friends, Tom Green, former youth president of the, of the United States of the Assemblyman, former national men's director, former speed the light director, was walking around in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, and boom, dropped dead of a heart attack. We just never know, do we? But one thing we do know, <laughs> that's tomorrow. We've got today. Aren't you glad you got today? Thanks for joining us on the LifeCast. It is the ministry of New Life Assembly of God in Sparta, Wisconsin. If you are ever in the area, we would enjoy the opportunity of meeting you. Until then, remember, God is for you, not against you.